1: Big stories. Big guests. The big picture. Afternoons with Rob Breckenridge. Weekdays 1230 to 3. 770 CHQR.
0: Well, happy Monday, Ched Nation. Good morning. Welcome to the program. My name is Rob Breckenridge, your host today and for the next two weeks here on 630 chat. And look, I know a lot of folks are wondering, well, what's to come of this uh, nine to noon slot? Of course, the uh, former host, and uh, she hung up the microphone and uh, the headphones on Friday. And so what comes next? Uh, all I can see at this point, folks, is stay tuned. Now, as you may know, I mean, uh, I currently have an afternoon show uh, on our affiliate 770 CHQR in Calgary. You may be often hear me uh, in the afternoons, uh, helping to fill in when uh, Jalen Nye is away. You may also know that I did get my start uh, in six th- at 630 Chet. I grew up in Edmonton, uh, learned uh, from the great Bob Layton, actually even proposed to my wife on uh, the 630 Chat Airwaves, believe it or not, back in uh, 1999, I guess that was. Uh, so I will be your host uh, for the next couple of weeks. And as for what comes after that, well, like I say, uh, stay tuned. So, in the meantime, we have got a lot of ground to cover on the program today. 780-496-0063. Certainly looking to hear from you today, and like I say, a lot to talk about. Uh, We will touch on uh, some of the events from the weekend as it pertains to church services and protests. Of course, an Edmonton-area pastor in the Remand Center for openly defying court injunctions regarding his church services... Even though the pastor wasn't there, that particular church was packed again yesterday. So it's not just the pastor, clearly, that's part of the problem here. But make no mistake, this is a problem, folks. It is. You know, we're trying our best to, to navigate the situation we're in so we can come up better on the other side. Uh, I think if some individuals and groups and organizations decide that, you know, we're checking up, we're not following the rules, they don't apply to us anymore, we're going to slide backward. And those who are doing the right thing are the ones who are going to suffer. So I think we need to be smarter here. And this idea of packing churches to make a political point does not seem smart. It's the opposite of that. And frankly, it's selfish too. So we'll get into that on the program today. Today is also the day that the new rules for returning travelers, both those returning via land crossing, those returning via air, kick in. Now, it's not exactly the same how it's going to work, depending if you're arriving by air or by land. But the new rules do take effect uh, today. We'll talk about that. Also on the program this morning, we're going to hear from Alberta's uh, labor minister. We'll talk about uh, the province finally signing on to the federal program. And it's a matching program, so about um, three-quarters comes from the feds, a quarter of it comes from from the province, uh, to add a a bonus or a wage top-up to frontline essential workers. But there's been some some criticism over uh, the province's definition uh, of essential or critical workers, who's eligible for this, who isn't. So we'll clarify all of that with the labor minister. He's going to join us coming up after 9.30. Later on today, Edmonton physician and professor of the University of Alberta, Dr. Louis Francis-Cuddy. He's got a new book called Hardwired, Our Instincts to be Healthy are Making Us Sick. We're going to talk about single event sports betting. Uh, The House of Commons now a step closer to finally legalizing single event sports betting. More on that later on today. uh, Supreme Court justices be bilingual? This has come up before, but the federal government looks to be moving to enshrine that requirement. So what are the implications on the legal system? Don't we want the best legal minds on the Supreme Court? Documents can be translated. Testimony can be translated. We'll get into that today and also a conversation at 10 o'clock this morning. Looking forward to this. Cold War historian Tom Nichols joins us. We're going to talk about some documents that came to light last week, showing just how close the world came to full-on war in 1983, the Soviet Union was really convinced that a NATO exercise was not an exercise. And we learned a little bit more last week at how close we came to war. We'll talk about that after 10 o'clock. So plenty to get to on the program today. And looking forward to the conversation today and over the next couple of weeks. All right, out of the gate here this morning. Uh, And as you know, there's been an ongoing conversation uh, in this time slot and elsewhere about the uh, mayoral election uh, later this year. And of course, as Don Iverson has decided not to run again, it's a wide open race. And uh, plenty of folks, uh, I think, are are eager and interested uh, to throw their hats into the ring. And so we've had some conversations with some of those candidates. Let me uh, bring another into the conversation here this morning. Diana Steele is president of the Crestwood Community League and is a declared candidate now to be the next mayor of the city of Edmonton. She joins us on the line here this morning. Diana, thank you so much for making some time for us here today. Welcome to the program.
1: Good morning, Rob, and welcome to your first day on the, uh, on the show.
0: Well, I appreciate that and appreciate you make some time for us here today. So a lot, lot to talk about, obviously, but let, let's begin with, you know, the question of, of why. Why you you want to be the next mayor of Edmonton and, and why Edmonton voters should, uh, should consider you?
1: Well, my intention to run comes based out of conversations that I've been having over the past couple of years, just about um, the possibility of our system becoming partisan which we're trying to avoid we do know or we've been hearing rumors that um, certain political parties are going to plant candidates into the election and um, I don't want that to happen so that's why I've decided to put my hat in the ring
0: well expand on that what 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 are you hoping to avoid here or or what impact do you think that that running can have then on that
1: well I think that municipal politics is really or, or running the city is is providing basic services right so i mean we're talking about things like transportation and making sure that the streets are cleared of snow so do we really need uh, party affiliations to make those kinds of decisions or do we need to make those decisions based on the greatest ideas that we can come up with Um, and a lot of times we can see that decisions are typically made especially in provincial or uh, federal politics those decisions are typically made because it is a conservative point of view or a liberal point of view and I, i don't think that belongs in any city decision at all all
0: right so why the mayor's chair then
1: um well i mean i i thought about running for ward one counselor But as I said, there was a particular individual, there were several, but one in particular who I was trying to convince to run for mayor, and they decided not to. And I sort of went into a bit of panic mode. Well, if you're not going to do it, who will? Mm -hmm. So that's when I said, well, okay, then I'm going to take a run at this. Someone has to stop this. So why not me?
0: Right. And um, I mean, you have a a business background, a volunteer background, but uh, not necessarily political background. Did you see that as as an advantage or a drawback when it comes to municipal politics?
1: Well, one of the things I'm hearing a lot from um, citizens in Edmonton, even political analysts are saying, you know, they're tired of the same old, same old. So if we're tired of it, then maybe Edmonton is ready to elect someone who doesn't have a political background and someone who is going to come at every decision a little bit differently. I don't have, um, any, I have no political collection connections at all. Um, You know, everything I, every decision that I make is based on the best interest of the city of Edmonton. I have no future political goals. I don't, I don't want to be the mayor so that I can one day run as the premier. Um, you know, these are just this, I'm simply doing it because I love Edmonton and I want to see the best decisions being made for our city. So I think having no political background is a good, is a good idea.
0: (laughs) Okay. Uh, fair enough. What, what do you see then as, as kind of the big challenges, right? When, when you look at everything Edmonton's dealing with at the, at the moment, what stands out to you as the priorities? What what do, what do the priorities of the next mayor need to be?
1: Well, obviously, because we're in a pandemic, um, economic recovery is, is the biggest challenge we're facing right now. Um, we're seeing businesses that are closing and will continue to close over the next year, potentially, if not longer. We need to live through that in the meantime. And then once we get through the pandemic, we have to be able to rebuild. But we're rebuilding at a time when the entire world is rebuilding. And we have to be uh, extremely innovative and creative. We have to have our best people putting their foot forward, essentially, to take risks. Some people are going to have to start businesses when um, it's a risky time to start a business. But we need that. We need those types of ideas in order to continue
0: moving forward. let me also ask you about this. And and this was from, uh, I think, a few weeks ago, and and I'll Mm -hmm. give you a chance to address this situation, right? Because there had been some calls uh, for you to to resign as Community League president, and uh, some concerns that were raised. And I know you had an opportunity to to address those to have some conversations. So what do people need to know about this situation?
1: Well, I'm certainly not the first president to run um, uh, for any sort of political position while continuing to remain as uh, part of a board. So this isn't new. This has been happening for a long time. Um, You know, my board was given the opportunity. I did offer to resign. They were given the opportunity to let me go. (laughs) And they kindly asked me to stay, um, which I hope speaks to, you know, my, boy, well, my passion for Crestwood, obviously, but B, my, my, just my dedication to volunteerism and helping people out. So, um, Yeah, I mean, I want to, I don't want to abandon my community just because I have goals to further myself here. Um, I'm not a fan of saying, well, I'd like to do something bigger and better, so I'm going to leave you guys alone now. I can continue to do the job while I run for mayor at the same time.
0: All right. And as you say, I mean, we are are still in a a pandemic. I know it's Mm -hmm. it's certainly affecting how candidates are interacting with voters, what campaigning looks like. How, How do you approach that then in the weeks and months ahead here?
1: So there there have been a lot of people who are trying to figure this out right now because I'm not going to have a campaign office. Certainly with the new variant showing up as well, I'm just not willing to put anybody at risk. So everything we do will be done virtually or meeting um, individuals for for quick coffees or going for walks, that kind of thing. Lots of social media, um, obviously possibly doing some phone outs. I, I, you know, the, it, it is going to be, the campaigning is going to look very different for all of the candidates. But I think it's a, a great way to um, maybe change the game a little bit too. Maybe perhaps, you know, we don't have to spend as much money. I've heard rumors that people often spend four dollars uh, $500,000 running a campaign. Do we really need to spend that kind of money moving forward? Are we able to run a campaign on way less than that? And I think if you're not, um, you know, using a brick and mortar building and spending thousands of dollars a month on um, paying for rent, then that's certainly one way to uh, save a bunch of money. And I am typically a, a fiscally conservative individual, and I would like to be able to show the city of Edmonton that, you know, I plan on running a fiscally conservative campaign, and that's how I intend on on running the city as well. So...
0: All right. We'll look forward to hearing more from you in the uh, weeks and months ahead. More at uh, dianasteel.ca, and that's uh, S-T-E-E-L-E, dianasteel.ca, and on Twitter, at Diana Diana, appreciate you making some time for us here this morning. Thanks No so much problem. For Thank you. Take care. All right. All right. You as well. Uh, that is uh, Diana Steele, one of the uh, declared candidates to be the next mayor of Edmonton. Again, Diana Steele, not CIA. you want to read more about her. And uh, again, uh, without an incumbent in the race, it, it certainly shapes up to be a very interesting contest ahead of the vote this fall. All right. We got a lot to get to uh, on this Monday morning. My name is Rob Breckenridge. You are listening to 630 Chat. All right. Welcome back. Rob Breckenridge filling in for the next couple of weeks. Filling in for whom? That's well, an interesting question, isn't it? We had a lot to get to on the program today. Uh, something else we're keeping an eye on. We had uh, a record week last week uh, for vaccine deliveries and looking uh, to set a new record this week. Uh, 405,000 doses received last week, looking at 640,000 this week. So those numbers are looking more encouraging. We got some catching up to do in this country, obviously. But this is, I think, the direction we need to be heading. And you think about the conversations that this can all lead to. Now, the United Kingdom, which has been in a pretty strict lockdown as a result of the variant situation they're dealing with there. uh, But they've been one of the best countries in the world so far when it comes to vaccinating population. So today, British Prime Minister Boris Johnson laying out their roadmap for coming out of lockdown. So it will start with some modest steps. March 8th, schools in Britain are going to reopen by april 12th they say some outdoor dining will be allowed hairdressers fitness centers will be allowed to open won't be until may 17th that indoor dining will get the green light in the uk but here's the big one step four june 21st a return to quote unquote normal life now that's a really that's a line that really pops out it's a really weird thing to say almost it's kind of jarring in a good way. Like, I remember that. I remember what that was like. And it's it's very tantalizing uh, to hear a date assigned to it. Now, obviously, as we've seen, you know, our, our plans are, are constantly subject to change. And we've got some catching up to do, as mentioned on the vaccination front, especially to get to where the UK is but you know the prospect of that is quite something and it's certainly encouraging uh, we certainly need to demand better of the government here when it comes to delivering vaccines and administering vaccines and this is going to be a mammoth effort but it's also a reminder to all of us that look we've got a vested interest too and let's do our part as well in making this a success So, really interesting conversation happening in the uk today And like I said, we'll talk a bit more about the vaccination situation uh, here at home. And we heard from the premier on Friday uh, the plans now for uh, phase one B opening it up. And we'll get some more information later this week, we understand, for those who are 75 and up. Those born in 1946 and some of these other groups so we've got a clear picture in alberta how this is all going to work out we're actually starting to get increased amounts of vaccines delivered to us so uh some some reason to get optimistic i i think or i hope on the vaccine front but you know we've, we've kind of been burned before or you think back to december those initial deliveries arriving and how great we felt about the situation and look at that canada's uh leading the way and then things kind of went sideways, didn't they? So hopefully we can get that back on track. We shall see. All right, coming up after 9.30, we're going to be joined by Alberta's, immigra- or, or, yes, well, technically, is the Labor and Immigration Minister, uh, Jason Copping. We're going to talk about this uh, critical worker benefit that's going to be paid out in Alberta in the form of a $1,200 bonus. Other provinces did it a little differently. Some did it as like a, an hourly wage top-up. You know, some did the bonus approach. There was some flexibility for provinces there. But what provinces need to decide is who gets this and who doesn't. And that's a tricky process, as we've seen over the last week or so. So we'll find out more about that coming up after 930. A lot more to get to on the program today, including your calls, 780-496-0063. My name is Rob Breckenridge. You're listening to 630 Chat. Afternoons with Rob Breckenridge, starting at 1230 on News Talk 770 Calgary.